Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to episode 140 of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, folks, how is everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding? I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, and like I said, this is episode 140. 40. So what do we do here on Successfully Funded? Well, we like to talk to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign to see what they're doing uh, right now, right? Like, I don't want to know what they did three years ago. I want to know what they're doing now to become successfully funded. So on today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking to Marcus and Romana from uh, the, the company Cross Wool X, and we're going to be discussing uh, the shoe line that they just created, and we are going to get into the weeds coming up next. Before we get into the episode, the, uh, I should say the interview, we're already into the episode, but <clears throat> boy, we've had a, uh, quite a weekend over here at uh, One Wednesday Away. Um, you know, I usually like to have a little intro here where I kind of just talk about some stuff, talk about what's going on here, um, not only with the, in the company, but myself personally. So I had a pretty intense weekend regarding um, a friend of mine, or actually my ex-girlfriend, um, who was, she was a significant girlfriend. This wasn't just a passing by relationship. This was a significant relationship. Um, but her mom passed away at the age of 60 from a brain tumor. Um, really, really sad. So I was there Friday night, uh, also there Saturday for the funeral. And I learned a whole bunch of stuff. Um, kind of, you know, standing back on it, what I kept reflecting on was, in my, my, my personal relationships, I have really, really high expectations. And I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure where that comes from. It doesn't seem like it comes from my family, um, you know, my internal family. It doesn't really seem like it comes from my parents. So, you know, it's something that we talk, my wife and I, we discuss all the time in therapy, and we discuss this quite a bit in terms of, you know, where do I have these expectations? Why, why do they always pop up? You know, it, it's like a default setting I have. And standing back on it, when I was at the funeral and I was hearing um, the eulogy that um, uh, the, my, the dad, the, the husband, was giving, um, really just kind of stood back and I kept thinking around the lines of, I think I actually get it from, these, from, from this relationship. Now, Kim and Chris was their name, and they have an amazing relationship. It's like something that has stuck with me, and I haven't, this is like almost 13 years ago since uh, I dated uh, uh, this woman. So I haven't seen these people in a while, but I, but I, you know, about three or four years we dated, and I do remember just how amazing of a relationship they had, and I remember them having just a, a connection that I, I guess I yearned for. I didn't even realize it back back in the day, um, but kind of standing back and looking at my relationship now of ten years with my wife and 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 how, you know how we're building our family, I, I guess I keep taking all of this subconscious advice from Kim and Chris from back when I was uh, hanging out with them or seeing them in their daily life. And obviously at that time I was in my early 20s, early to mid-20s I should say. And so it was obviously an impressionable time. But I guess I just keep standing back and going, I think I got most of these expectations of a relationship from them. And in this funeral service, it was like a common thing was how extraordinary their relationship was. And not just from them saying it, but like all the people around them. And, and I think it, it really does create this sort of 
pressure or this sort of expectation in your own life when you see somebody who has something just really, really, really special. So I spent a lot of time just in my own brain for the last basically like four days here, it feels like, um, reflecting on that and reflecting on expectations of people and, 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 um, and how and what standards you hold to them. And I mean, flat out, the har- harsh truth is, is in, t- in my relationship with my wife, I am striving to have an, like, an extraordinary relationship, which I don't know if anybody has that. Do, do, does everybody have that? Is that what everybody's striving for? Or is everybody striving for making do and just kind of not pissing each other off too much? And that's what keeps rolling in my head right now. Is it what, what, is, what is a realistic expectation? I guess we've been doing it right now. I'm having my putting expectations on top of expectations. But I think it's just more along the lines of what is achievable? How do you find happiness in that? what's achievable? And how do you kind of live in that? So it's been on my mind big time. Um, so, you know, for this little intro, I just wanted to kind of just share my, my thoughts on that. And um, uh, just, yeah, it's just been, been really heavy on my heart. And I just can't stop thinking about it. And uh, I'm examining it more. So yeah, thanks for putting up with that. Let's continue on with the episode. So the other thing that happened to me um, this weekend is my mother, who is 62, I think, 62 or 63, 62, um, was mowing the ditch at her house, and it's a big ditch, big steep ditch, and she fell and broke her leg. So Saturday night, I spent most of my evening in the emergency room. Um, and this is a pretty traumatic thing in our life because she is the, basically the sole caretaker of my dad, who is a train wreck, is how I describe his health scenario. And he cannot drive anywhere and he has dialysis every morning or Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at like six in the morning. And they're basically out on an island. And my mom is now going to be out for the next, I don't even know what it was, six to 12 weeks, something like that, when surgery is going to have to happen. And she's, uh, she's hurt, you know, and it was a very frustrating time um, because we have asked my parents, my sister and I, I should say when I say the word we, we have encouraged my parents to move out of this house because they've got a bigger house, bigger yard, all this maintenance that has to happen, and they're just there's nobody to help. And they're an hour away, hour and ten minutes away from me. They're about uh, thirty minutes away from my sister. We can, and also we have lives. I mean, I've got two small kids. My um, uh, my sister and her wife are going through their own drama um, with a cancer scenario going on in in. Um, and my sister's wife's. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. So now my parents are up. So that was has been the second thing that's weighing on my mind. And I only bring this up because this is my, my chance to sort of vent and talk about this sort of stuff. Um, I assure you that the episode coming up here, or the interview coming up here in a second, is going to be a much different tone. But man, it has been just a couple of, a couple of big haymakers over here at One Wednesday Way. But at least internally, the family's good. It's just that, boy, this was a big setback in terms of my mom... Uh, uh, breaking her leg um, on Saturday night. So, <sighs> always something.
All right, so let's flip over to the actual interview. So we're going to be talking, like I said, to Marcus and Romana from the company Cross X. Their Kickstarter campaign is going like gangbusters. I think they were at, when I talked to them, they were at like over $600,000 on a $10,000 goal. So this shoe is taking off big time. So uh, in our interview, though, we, we get into a whole bunch of details around um, you know, working with another agency, uh, what happened, um, what they were told, how they had to kind of persevere and get through that sort of up and down. But this conversation was awesome. So if you are interested, go make sure you check out Wool Cross X. That's W-H-H-L Cross X over on Kickstarter right now. Become a backer of them and uh, pick up some sweet shoes. So, all right. Oh, by the way, a uh, little side note here. Audio doesn't sound as good as usual. Do you know why? Because I attempted to do the interview on my AirPods and they'll sound like ass through Zoom. So I learned that, so I'm not gonna do that again. Um, so if you guys can bear with the, uh, my audio issue, um, I think you'll still find that this conversation is awesome. All right guys, let's go ahead and kick my conversation with Marcus and Romana from uh, Wool Cross X. All right, so the red light is on. I believe we have started the recording process, so hopefully nobody is real nervous over there. Hopefully everybody's still, still <laughs> We're <okay. set. laughs> You're all good? All right, well, why don't we start off with, first, why don't you guys introduce yourself, uh, and then I'll ask my, uh, my famous first question of, a, of an episode. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to introduce Romana, who does all the marketing of, in our team. Hi. Hey, Romana, how are you? And my name is Marcus. Um, I'm the CEO of Gieswine, and um, together we do all the crowdfunding campaign for our amazing Woolcross X2. Nice, nice. Well, uh, why don't we start off with this first question here. Uh, what did both of you have for breakfast this morning? Sorry, I didn't get this. <laughs> yeah, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, Romana, please. Oh, it's just an oatmeal. <laughs> some oatmeal, okay. Anything <laughs> fancy in that oatmeal or just some uh, just plain oatmeal? Just a plain oatmeal with some bananas. Oh. All right. Well, the banana spices it up a little bit there, so that's good. Yeah, that's, you, that's, funny, which, that's funny because I had also bananas. <laughs> nice. Nice. And that wasn't planned, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. <laughs> wasn't it? All right, cool. Awesome. Well, I think we're sounding good. Why don't we jump right into it here? So um, now that we all know who you are and what you've had for breakfast, uh, why don't you tell my listeners uh, what you are currently raising money for over on Kickstarter? Yeah, um, we're raising um, money for the Woolcross X. This is our, the, the world's first Merino Wool Sport 2. And uh, yeah, we are, we're very happy that uh, it's already successfully funded. It was funded in 26 minutes. And uh, we have now 19 days left for the campaign. And uh, as far as we can say, we are overwhelmed because it's uh, a huge campaign for us. And we didn't expect uh, this kind of pledges that we have. But at the moment, we have uh, roughly about $650,000. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's quite, uh, quite a huge amount for us. Yeah. So for my listeners who can't see, what is the uh, Wool Cross X? What is it? Yeah, it's um, a very versatile sport shoe. Um, with this shoe, you can go hiking, you can go running, you just can go walking. Uh, but it's also quite uh, so versatile that you, it's also very good for leisure if you want to have a sporty look. And in the inside, it's all lined with our 
unique 100% uh, merino wool 3D stretch lining. Mm. So this is a fabric that we produce in-house. Uh, it's made of 100% merino wool and it has a lot of benefits and features uh, that's, that brings, uh, brings it to your feet. And overall it's super comfy and uh, it's temperature regulating. Uh, it also draws away up to 125 milliliters of, of sweat and water. So you, it, will, it will keep your feet very dry and uh, it's a, a very, an excellent made shoe uh, made for the outdoors. That's great, that's great. So you know, for this type of shoe, who in your guys' mind is like the perfect consumer for it? Is it something that if I was playing basketball or if I was just out hiking, if I was playing tennis, like, like who, do you, who, who in your mind is the person who's kind of wearing this type of shoe? Well, um, we're targeting here a little bit the, the worldwide sport trend. So anyone who, who feels active, anyone who wants to just uh, gets out of his door and, and is active, uh, he can use this shoe and uh, it will help him a lot. So the target was most into the sports section. Also the design is very sporty uh, with reflective materials on it. And um, yeah, this, this, is for, this was our aim to, to make a very good shoe uh, for the sports. That's great. That's great. So where was the idea to start working on a shoe company? I mean, how did you guys get into making shoes? Is that something you guys have done forever or is this your first time making a shoe? <laughs> no, it's not our first time. Actually, what we do normally is we do a lot of boiled wool slippers. Okay. So um, normally we reproduce a lot of uh, so-called felt fabrics made of 100% wool. And um, yeah, we, we thought we're gonna bring this comfort that we already produce for our slippers into, into a shoe. And uh, this was the basic idea of, for this kind of um, product. So how long did it kind of take to go from making the slippers that you mentioned into making a shoe? Was it a pretty easy transition or, or something that, you know, it took some time to prototype and develop? It's quite difficult, as I can say, because uh, every shoe is a highly technical product. Um, it's not only the problem that you have to um, think about uh, the forms, uh, it's also about uh, um, which last uh, do you take. So there, there's a lot of which materials to use, what is the right sizing. Uh, there are a lot of things uh, to think about. And it took us over one year of, to, to make the perfect prototype. So from the first idea uh, to go over all the designs, uh, to make the first prototypes, it took us more than a year to make the perfect product. Mm. Because um, it's like really, um, it takes about three months uh, so that you see your first prototype, even when, we, when you have all your ideas set and you know what you want. But then um, you have to optimize it uh, in very, uh, yeah, unexpected variations, <laughs> as I can mm -hmm. say. So sure. a lot of things come up while you do it. And um, yeah, I can say it's, it's hard, tough work, but it's worth doing it. And as we, uh, as, as I can say, there's a lot of feedback coming also from, our, from the backers. So uh, it's very rewarding, as I would say. That's great, that's great. What would you say is like maybe sort of the biggest roadblock that you might have had while you were putting the prototypes together? Was there something that, I don't know, you just couldn't do or a fabric that wasn't available? Was there just something that like, I don't know, you just had to pivot around it all. Yeah, I think uh, you have, first of all, you have to have a, a very clear idea of what you want to do. If you don't have this idea, uh, there are so many options what you could do, 
um, that it's it's quite difficult uh, to to get into in, into into this channel of of uh, possibilities. Sure. But if you have a, a clear idea and you have uh, clear restrictions, of what um, what this shoe uh, should solve, uh, it's, it makes it more easier. And then you can jump in and think about the latest technologies that are used in, in footwear. And uh, also you have to think about uh, costing uh, um, because there are a lot of things that are, let's say, um, quite costly to, to produce. So how much components do you use for the sole? And um, yeah, then of course you have to think about designs, getting all the materials together. And this is also, this takes a lot of time. <laughs> and even sure. when, you, when you have the, the perfect design made, to match all the colors that they are perfectly matching, uh, it's not that easy. So there are a lot of processes, uh, when you see the first prototypes, that you say, oh, that's not what I wanted. So you have to do it again, again, and again, <laughs> until it fits what you, what you had in mind. Sure. And my follow-up to that would be, what was, was there a moment that you really knew you actually had something, you know, where like, I don't know, you, you, you held it, you put it on, you tried it, you were like, this is a really well done shoe and this, this is going to be a gangbusters, we don't need to go further. Was there a moment like that at all? Yeah, I had to say, um, it was only, I would say, four weeks ago that we had the perfect uh, prototype in, in our house. Uh, it was, before it was like, yeah, we, we are nearly there. But then we tested it, and uh, of course you need, you need to take some time for testing because um, there are some uh, quality issues evolving uh, when you use newly designed materials. And so you have to fix them. Uh, it's, everything is solvable, but uh, you have to test it. So uh, we had some, some people around uh, testing, is, uh, testing it for us. So, so we have multiple uh, ideas, how do women, how do men, um, 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 how can I say use use this product, and uh, then you, you get to, to the to the problems, and when you see the problems, you have to solve them, and then you get the perfect prototype. So this is this is the process as I, as I would describe. That's great. And, and how did like the two of you get into making shoes in general? Like what's uh, I mean, just footwear in general? How did you guys get into this? Um, yeah, this is a quite a long story because um, my grandparents um, started a, a textile company sixty years ago. And it was 40 years ago that they started the, the slipper business, which I took over now some years ago. And uh, yeah, this is why, but doing slippers is very different than doing shoes. So for me, it was also quite, quite new doing, in doing so. And because there's, there are more technical uh, issues and limitations uh, to this. And uh, yeah, I, I can't say it's more like uh, an experience thing. So there are, there are a lot of companies who can help you with, with, with different kind of, of stuff. But um, yeah, I think you, as I, as I already said, you have to have your own idea what you want to do. Then you can get to the point because all the partners that you have will think in their minds what they think and, and, and their experience was good before. But what we're doing here is doing something new. That's great. That's great. And and for you, like, did you know you were going to always take over the family business or, you know, to some degree, or, or did you have other ideas, other dreams and just kind of got pushed uh, into it? No, no, to totally not, not clear until I was maybe 25. Uh, because uh, first of all, what I think personally is important, you have to find out what you really like and you only find out if you do it. Right. And by doing so, I found out that I really like this kind of business. 
and uh, this was this was how I got into it. And then I, I, you have to dig deeper and deeper. And uh, still today, there's a, a lot more to learn. Um, but uh, I'm learning from day to day from others, and also with Kickstarter, we'll, uh, because it's not our first Kickstarter campaign; it's our, it's our second one. Mm -hmm. uh, the last one we did about one and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And we learned a lot in this one, in this uh, 16, uh, 17 months. But I can say uh, we are now in a totally different point than one year ago. Well, what would you say is the biggest difference? I mean, just in terms of company-wise, like what's been the biggest changes over the last uh, year and a half, you said, or so? About 18 months, something like that? Well, from the, from the company side, I would say we discovered that uh, how marketing and, and how advertising works. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. We did it before. We did, we did it before, but we only thought we do. We did it, mm -hmm. and uh, now we let's say we have more advanced skills in doing so. And uh, also in here, we found new partners who helped us, who, who brought us knowledge. But uh, yeah, we we learned with them uh, how to grow a business. Yeah. Sure, sure. And was there how about like was there big differences between the Kickstarter campaigns in general outside of advertising? Just how you approached it, what, what were some of the things that were just different between those two? Yeah, um, one year ago, it was, uh, we had a very basic approach. We just launched the product. We didn't do any advertising, any pre-campaign. And after two or three days, we thought, oh, uh, how, can we get it, how could we get to our goal? Let's, let's hire an agency who does the, the advertising for us. Sure. So this was, <laughs> this was the approach. And I'm, as we can say today, we are quite lucky that we, we reached the goal even one year ago. We reached the goal. Uh, but as I would say, now it's, uh, yeah, we, we, we are doing maybe uh, eight to ten times more. So we had a good product one year ago. I think today we have even, let's say, um, I wouldn't call it a better product. Let's, let's call it a just a very, also an excellent product um, for a different customer group. Sure. Yeah, just different it sounds like. Yeah. Not, not really better or worse, just different. So. Yeah, right. And... Um, but an excellent product and what we did different now is there's one one big difference first of all we we have a bigger um uh, as we have as we already had one campaign we have more trust from our backers so um because we delivered so we, we only we didn't only do the kickstarter campaign we also delivered the shoes then so this one <laughs> i think this is important to mention don't, don't forget <laughs> yeah, to deliver very important very important you got to add the deliver portion of that whole equation. <laughs> get the yeah, product to the person I'm sure this, this will help for the future. Uh, and the second thing is we did a pre-campaign this time. And of course, we, um, we, had, we have a bigger social community. Um, so we have, a, we have roughly 50,000 Facebook fans uh, till today. Uh, on, on Instagram, we have about uh, 10,000 um, supporters. So we activated more with the pre-campaign. Plus, um, we also, we, we planned before our advertising for the whole campaign through. So, and also we did uh, more PR work beforehand. So these, cool. these are the, the basic instruments that, that we used. That's cool. That's cool. What, um, you know, so in regards to like on the business side of stuff, I mean, this is usually like a pretty stressful time for a lot of CEOs and just everybody, right? There's so much going on, conversations, backers coming in, communications. You know, guys like me bugging you to do an interview and sitting down. <laughs> how, how do you stay organized? What are some of the tools you might use? Or how would you tell somebody, like another person in your shoes, hey, this is a lot of stuff that's going to be happening. How do, you know, how do you stay focused on this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, 
the, the biggest challenge is, um, or the, the, the most work hurt is to, to get a proper Kickstarter site done, which means you have to analyze your product and you have to think um, more in, in, on the view of the consumer, how, does he, how would he look uh, at, at this product and what are the objectives or the obstacles that he might have. And you have, you have to try to answer all this in one page so there's a lot of work before that you have to you have to think and rethink and, and let others uh, look over it to see uh, what are they asking them. Uh, secondly, what I think was what was quite helpful when you do this pre-campaign, you also do um, a landing page. Now on the landing page, uh, you also you already get a lot of questions, uh, which which you can use to insert this to the campaign page on, on Kickstarter. I think this is very necessary. With this you can reduce a lot of questions that are coming up because there are, there are still, if you can do, if you do a really, a really good page, uh, there are a lot of questions coming up, uh, especially coming to shoes, it's about sizing. Uh, there are a lot of uncertainties from consumers. Mm -hmm. So, but I would say overall it is, think about your product, think about the object, objectives, um, think about the insecurities that people might have, plus you have to deliver a very good uh, customer service then because we we get a lot of, of questions and yeah we got a tool that uh, that is structuring all these this kind of questions because there are to, nowadays uh, the consumers are coming from different and uh, different kind of um, uh, channels like they're coming from facebook questions from facebook questions on instagram uh, questions uh, by a telephone questions by email and also we shouldn't forget all the questions coming up on the comments on the Kickstarter page. Mm -hmm. So you have to get um, you have to get a quick response, and we're using it. We're using an efficient tool for this to collect, let's say, three of those of those five channels. Mm -hmm. So from the what's, from, what's the tool you're using for that? Uh, maybe Romana can tell a little bit more. The, the SWOT. Uh, uh, the IO tool um, for our Facebook um, questions. Um, yeah, it's a tool um, where you can plan some posts, where you can answer all those questions, and yeah, it's kind of cool. So yeah, it's yeah. very good. Okay, cool, awesome, awesome. So wh where are you guys located right now? Uh, we're in the hearts of the of the Austrian Alps. So Austria, this is the country next to Germany. <laughs> Just it's worth mentioning and uh, yeah we're in the in the center of the Alps so okay. about thousand meters high and today it uh, it was the first snow so oh very nice very nice so we have like a, yeah a huge gigantic rainstorm today over here in Michigan so uh, <laughs> what, what's the, what's like the incubator scene like there or the startup scene or, or for business like what are some of the resources that that might be available for you uh, where, where you live is there a good um, startup business scene there um, I'm just thinking, was it, was it yeah. Well, let's say it's quite small. It's really, yeah. I always feel like we're 10 years behind Silicon Valley. So that's, that's always how I feel like. So I would say uh, it's old Europe, you know? <laughs> so right, it's, right. it's quite, uh, how can I say, slow. I would really say slow. Okay. So always okay. when we when we do a Kickstarter campaign, we, we, we feel like we dip in a little bit of into, into the future. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is, and is that something that you see changing at all? Is there is, is do you feel like you're at the forefront of that at all, or or is it just what it is? 
um, for, for your location? Yeah, I would say it's as it is quite new. There are a lot of um, customers that, let's say, customers that know us from the slippers side. They ask us, "What is Kickstarter, and why? Why do? Why can't? Why I have no credit card? How can I pay there?" So <laughs> the, it's it's quite um, um, yeah. It's not so common. Kickstarter is not really well known here in, in Austria. Uh, it's it's getting uh, everyone. I think everyone has, has heard about crowdfunding, but no one really totally has, has awareness of the Kickstarter platform. So we are doing two things. We are via our Kickstarter campaign. We also do advertising for Kickstarter, and we try to explain it a little bit. So there's a little bit also even more work to do for us to explain mm -hmm. how this thing works. Because um, there are also a lot of a lot of questions from people saying, uh, "Well, I just pledged. Uh, when do, where do I order now?" So. <laughs> So the concept is really not not really, not really common common to most to a lot of consumers here, yeah. but um, for us it's also important to to get um, consumers from all from internationally. So we get sure. we have we have now pledges from over sixty six countries, and so we detect also where are the markets of the future and uh, where could be a potential for us. Sure. So with that many kind of countries jumping on board. How are you guys handling logistics where you are in terms of shipping and, and making sure that all those people get the product? Uh, that seems like that's probably a very big task at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, we are doing it in-house. Um, so we're doing everything on our own. Um, we got a, quite a cool concept that everything that is shipped internationally is shipped, uh, how can I say, toll-free. So there's nothing to pay for the consumer. And uh, yeah, we are totally service oriented, so we try to do it quick. So and and uh, we also have a yeah, good customer support who, who is uh, surveying the tracking that really every package uh, is 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 uh, coming to to every to every backer. And uh, yeah, we're doing a lot for this that the customers are happy. That's cool. How about for you guys in terms of like just finding a little bit of your own time in terms of like unwinding from this? I mean, I know, again, I, we already kind of talked about a little bit of how stressful it can be. What do you guys do for just unplugging and just not checking in for, for an hour or so? What do you guys do for that? Um, well, I'm not thinking that we, are, I don't think that we ever do this. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. All right. Hey, that's an answer too. I don't think I ever do it either, but I always like to find if somebody like unplugs a little bit, what do they do outside of checking backers and looking at Kickstarter every hour, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's every hour. It's even more. So, <laughs> no, I think we are, we're addicted to it. As a, I'm speaking now for Romano as well. Um, well, it's always in the back of our head, so it's, it's just in there. I, I don't ever do, so no. And, no. <laughs> well, well, all right. So let's let's flip over. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Kickstarter uh, in general, but let's maybe focus in just a little bit more on that instead of uh, instead of just the business itself. So you obviously mentioned that you guys ran a pre-launch campaign this time and landing page and all that sort of stuff. Was there any metrics that you guys were looking at that you wanted to hit before you hit the launch button? Was there like I don't know, you wanted to have a hundred people signed up, you wanted to have X amount of numbers? Was there any sort of metric you were looking at that you were like, we're ready to launch now? Um, well, the metric for us was quite clear that we we want to launch. Uh, we wanted to launch on a specific date, so this is what was our approach, and we had calculated enough time before to to uh, do some testing and also to do a proper pre-campaign. Uh, what I want, uh, but I need to mention some something beforehand. So, the first idea was uh, for for us to to. Um, 
work together with a so-called Kickstarter campaign agency mm-hmm. who's, who's helping us out in, in doing the pre-campaign and also running the campaigns, the, the advertising campaigns for us. And we asked two of them to do so. And um, both of them said they won't do it because they don't see the potential for our product. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, that's quite, in, and uh, of course, we were quite down because we thought, oh, that's, that's not a good sign because, of course, those agencies need to know what they're talking about. Sure. But this, this um, convinces me that if you have a product, you have to believe on your own in it mm-hmm. because others won't. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and, and I'm very happy that we, we, we've proven them wrong. Yeah, well, that's interesting that they would come back with that because um, I don't know if you saw the campaign for the Tropics, the Tropic yeah. shoe that, that did, I think that did the same sort of numbers you are right now. And I interviewed those guys too. So I was interested to see, you know, you're like my second shoe campaign in the last six months that I've talked to you. So I'm shocked that an agency would look at it and go, there's, there's no numbers here. Cause I'm, mean, I'm, quite, I'm quite sure that, that they're shocked now as well. But <laughs> yeah, that's <great>. <laughs> but, but the thing is, um, as I would say, we had some metrics and uh, there was also some evidence that they said, well, our campaign is not scalable. Because we did uh, not only the first agency just said, uh, well, we don't believe that uh, it will work because also we have not the cheapest price point, which is quite clear because we got an excellent made product. So it's not a cheap product. It's a very good product. Hmm. And uh, the second thing is, uh, was we did a pre-campaign with with one of those agencies where they tested out with a a minor uh, set of of ads, uh, how much much response uh, we got. And there they said for this price per lead, it won't be scalable. And this was something between 160 and $2 per lead, which was uh, clearly quite a, it's, yeah. they, they wanted to, uh, they, their goal was to have $1 or less. So, mm-hmm. so they said, well, this, this won't work because they, don't, they didn't see a potential to, to scale. No. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then for you guys, I mean, so you guys sound like you took that, that, those tasks on your own. Did you see sort of the same results if, if you guys are doing it yourself? Yeah, in the beginning, we, we saw that we had also those, this $1.62 per lead, and then it dropped. So we got better and better by doing the pre-campaign. So in, in the end, uh, we were, I think, about between $1, $1.50, depending on the country. Uh, and we, we lowered the cost uh, for, for gathering leads. Nevertheless, um, uh, there is always, you have to always do this calculation. Uh, when you have, a let's say, a more high-priced product, uh, you can pay a little bit more also for per lead. So that's clear if, it's, if the price is lower, uh, it, it will be easier to get, to get cheaper leads. Hmm. Interesting. Has there been anything like crazy behind the scenes in the dashboard that you guys did not expect? I mean, I know we've already kind of talked about the amount of countries that have jumped on board, but has there been anything where you're like, definitely wasn't expecting to be big in Singapore or something? I, I don't know. Has there anything, anything been really weird at all? Um, we didn't expect um, so many backers in the first three hours. I mean, it was just mind-blowing because um, everyone was crazy about the Wool Cross X. And we also have a lot of backers in Japan. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Did you guys think, uh, did you, have you been targeting Japan at all? Or is it coming a little bit more from just Kickstarter traffic in general? Not at all. We didn't target them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Hey, it happens. That's, that's, that's some of the great stuff I try to tell people all the time about Kickstarter. Even though you plan everything, 
sometimes it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll be big in Japan. I, I didn't, I wasn't aware. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, I mean, so for this, when you were putting kind of, kind of get a, the goal and, and the numbers and all that sort of stuff, what were you trying to look for? I mean, I think your goal is what, like $10,000 or something like that in, in U.S. So it was obviously a low goal amount. So I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, um, but what, how, what was kind of the thinking behind the numbers um, in terms of your price per unit goal and, and what you wanted to do on, on the campaign? Well, um, everyone in our team ha has dif had different goals, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, what I said is um, if we can get uh, roughly 300,000 euros, which would equal to roughly 330,000 US dollars, it would be a very good campaign. That's what I thought. It would be a big success that we got now in, in two days more than 480,000 US dollars. Uh, well, I didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. So this was just uh, showing that, uh, showing that the, the product is very well received and that we did uh, some things right and that uh, the consumers are, are ready to, to back this project. And um, yeah, the, because we thought uh, we will surely have, it will surely be better than the last campaign. So we were not worried by, by all the, the costs that are coming up now because to open, uh, to open a footwear production, you need a, a, some amount of minimum. And uh, so these, this is, a, this is a, let's say there are a lot of form costs coming up now, but we were quite, uh, quite sure that we can come back this through the first, uh, first couple of days. Hmm. Well, what, um, I guess just kind of back on the metrics, was there a number that you wanted to see maybe email sign-up wise? I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, we wanted to have, you know, under a dollar or a dollar fifty per lead, but was there also like, we wanted to make sure we're hitting like three or 4,000 email addresses. Was there a number that you just wanted to kind of hit as well when it comes to that? Um, it was, it was more like a budget. Uh, that we we said okay let, let's set a budget that's that's our budget and we we get the most of leads out of it uh, that we uh, that we can. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, so I guess looking forward, what starts to happen just in terms of keeping energy going? I mean, obviously you've had the campaign successful, but what strategies are you doing just to kind of keep that momentum for the next few weeks and just keeping this thing going up and up and up? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the best thing that, that you can do is um, doing, um, doing PR is, is something that's really heating up the campaign. That's what you can do uh, during the campaign. Uh, then, of course, we are having our, our retargeting uh, ads set. So uh, we can convince more backers by sh showing them again and again mm -hmm. this kind of shoe. Um, and then, um, of course, newsletters. So there are still some leads that didn't convert and uh, you can do uh, newsletters plus you can do, uh, let's say not comments, uh, the messages that we were sending out backers. So you, you can try to engage uh, also family and friends of, of your existing backers. Uh, I think this is the best strategy where you get out the most. Yeah, that's great, that's great. So what happens after the campaign drops you know, it takes a couple of weeks for all the money to get into the bank account. What starts in that process from there in terms of getting the shoes now to backers? Yeah, of course, the production is, uh, is then ongoing. Um, then you will, you, will, you will get the goods and, uh, and the shoes in. And yeah, then what is quite important afterwards, I think, is organizing uh, to, to ship. Um, because there is a lot of after work to do. Um, 
after you get the data from from Kickstarter and after doing also the survey. So we we've chosen backer kits to to work with. So I would say we are quite good in, in all tools like handling a lot of uh, e-commerce tools on our, on our own and also data. But backer kit is really something that I can, I can recommend because I think the the most important function is that uh, people are changing their address, and when you have a lot of backers, it gets awfully a lot of work to change this because it's yeah. it's always emailing double check and if you can let's say if you can source this out uh, to the backers itself it's the best thing you can do yeah, because yeah. it's super it's super uh, difficult to change when you once loaded the data auto into into the system we, we work with an erp system uh, and you have to change it there manually then you get a lot of work to do and uh, yeah that's yeah. this is it's really, uh, doesn't sound like much fun. Doesn't sound like yeah. a lot of fun. How about in terms, how about in terms of, because a product like this, you've got obviously uh, sizing issues. And I mean, I worked on a men's suit one. Yeah. Woo, a lot of sizing stuff, right? So nobody read anything. <laughs> no matter what we put on the page, nobody read anything about sizes. So how do you guys sort of combat that as well in terms of like, oh, I, uh, I thought I was a size 11, but I'm actually a 12. Uh, you know, like how are you guys going to handle that sort of stuff, you think? Yeah. Well, uh, I think this is Romana's term now because yeah. she worked a lot on sizing. Very important. Yeah, we, we made a sizing tool for our backers and hopefully they will read this information. <laughs> yeah. But um, if the product won't fit, we are happy to do everything to exchange the product or find a different solution for the backers. Yeah, yeah, it just, it, it just could be a headache, that's, that's for sure. But it's a yeah. good headache I have to have, right? Yeah. The, the worst well, headache is nobody bought anything. So that's actually the worst. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, this is very, quite special to, shoe, to the shoe sector. Um, the sizing is super important. And, uh, but our, our main goal, we are very long-term thinking. So if really something is wrong with the sizing and uh, you can't use the, the shoe and you, you can't gift it to another person, <laughs> then we're going to exchange it. And uh, we have a quite clear, a clear policy there on our Kickstarter page. And uh, yeah, we, we want the customer to be happy because we, we don't see consumers as, okay, you got the product now. Thank you. That, that's it. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, will, we will also be there in the future. And that's why we want the customer to be happy. That's great. That's great. So where do you guys see maybe like the next year to five years looking like? I mean, is this something that you guys want you see yourself making more designs in the shoe land or do you see going back to slippers? Do you see going into like boots? I mean, where do you guys kind of see the future going for the company? Uh, we, we got really a lot of ideas uh, about new, new kind of shoes uh, because I think there is, there is a lot, uh, there's a lack of creativity in the market. So there, there's a, there are loads of shoes there in the market, but special shoes, exciting shoes, shoes that are just made better. Uh, I think these, these, are, these are quite scarce. So uh, we're working on this. It's, it, will, it, will be, it will be definitely, definitely be shoes in the future also, but let's say never say never that there also be coming up another product that we maybe didn't think now uh, about but uh, yeah we have a lot of uh, creative potential as a and uh, yeah we are looking forward for also for the next already for the next campaign so it won't be our last kickstarter campaign because we, we, li we like really to be in exchange with the community uh, we think this is a really good good thing there on kickstarter we, we like this idea very much that's great. That's great. So where can people find out more? Obviously, there's the Kickstarter page, and I'll have links to that. But how can people dive into your, uh, your social media world and kind of follow what you guys are doing and, and being a part of it? 
Well, the best is if you go on www.gieswein.com. <laughs> okay, it's a website. And website oh, this, I know this is this, uh, the brand name is quite difficult <laughs> for for the for international uh, backers. So the best would be just to to type in wool cross X, and you will, if you Google it, you will come to our page, and you will see what we are doing, and uh, yeah, you, you, you can find out find out discover more. That's awesome. Well, this is a huge campaign. I mean, you guys have, have absolutely crushed it, and there's still a lot more time to go. So. Nothing but not, the sky's the ceiling on this one. So very, very good job on this. Um, I also appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. This is, I know it's always a busy time right now, but this is a great conversation. And I know my listeners are going to love it. And obviously I'm going to encourage my listeners to go check it out and pick up some shoes. So uh, Marcus Romana, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I appreciate it. Good luck on the, in the next few weeks here. It was a pleasure, Jeff. And uh, greetings from Austria. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very nice meeting you. Good meeting you too. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, what did I tell you? That was a great, great conversation. So much to unpack there in terms of running a successful Kickstarter campaign. So make sure you go check them out right now. We'll cross X over on Kickstarter. Become a backer, get a pair of shoes that are awesome. They're very, very cool stuff. So, all right. Um, also, by the way, thanks for Marcus and Romana from taking the time out of your schedule to uh, jump on an interview with me. I really, really appreciate it. All right, song we're listening to right now is a song called Lucky. Again, it's dreary and rainy. This song always makes me feel, I don't know, it just fits into this vibe here uh, when, when fall starts to roll in in Michigan. So uh, enjoy the song. Have a great rest of the week, and I will talk to you all later. <laughs>